Welcome to Divine Perspective, where we intentionally spend time focusing on God's purpose for his people. Because when we know God's purpose, we can live with purpose. Every episode will be filled with challenging conversations designed to engage culture with our faith, as well as leave you with tangible next steps for growth. I'm pumped that you joined us for today's episode as we take a look at our world with a divine perspective. Let me challenge you with this. What's one thing that often makes you uncomfortable to discuss with other people? What's something that makes it really hard for you to have a conversation without big emotions coming up? What's that topic? Often the challenge is getting in a room with someone who has a different thought, a different perspective, viewpoint, maybe cultural background than you. That's the beauty of diversity. And that's what we're talking about today. Today is simple. We're going to take a divine perspective on diversity. But I can't do this alone, so I have with me my good friend, Mike Weston. Mike, say what's up to the people. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate you having the opportunity to chat with you about this topic that no one else wants to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) That no one wants to talk about. It's a hard one, man. It's a hard one. But before we get into that, Mike, just, just give a little bit of background. Where are you from or living now? What are you up to? Um, And then let's even talk about how we know each other and why we are willing to have this conversation. Yeah. So as you mentioned, my name is Mike Weston. Uh, I'm currently the interim executive director of His Branches Community Health Center. We're a faith-based nonprofit that focuses on medical care and community development um, in two of the poorest areas of Rochester, New York, the 19th Ward and Beachwood communities. Um, There at our clinic, we provide medical care, again, to the underserved, um, the uninsured, and the publicly insured individuals of our communities um, that may not be able to get health care at any other location. Um, and some of those people, while they're here, we, you know, we help them identify jobs. We help them find housing. We help them get insurance. Um, we basically help them get on their next step of life. Um, so that's something we do, and it's been fun. I've been here at the organization for about two years, and um, we've been in Rochester for eight. So I have my wife, Michelle, um, who is a stay-at-home mom and an artist who owns her own uh store called Salty Lemon Studio. And then I have three kids, um, ages 11, 9, and 6. Man, that, that is crazy, by the way. Mike and I have known each other for what seems like forever, because as you say the age of your oldest, I remember when she was six months old. Uh, so what a journey it's been together, brother. Well, listen, I appreciate you being on this podcast, having this discussion because it's timely. In our introductory podcast, I mentioned that one of the greatest challenges we have as people is keeping God's perspective at the forefront of our mind. We also struggle with listening to the perspective of others. Although we may not think the same and be wired the same, God still desires us to maintain unity. There's beauty in our differences, and this is what we'll call divine diversity. This is what we're going to flesh out today. So Mike, why is this conversation so important? You said that no one wants to have it. We had a good laugh. Why is this conversation so necessary? 
Right. So I think why is it so necessary is right. It's like the absence of conflict does not indicate the presence of peace. Right. Mm. So in our country, you know, from, from the very beginning and even before we were America, right. Our history, both national and church is really informed by this like false division of um, race. Right. So it, it's a false narrative that says that one group of people is more important than another group of people by the way we look. And even though it's a false narrative, it has real life implications for people uh, on an individual and in a neighborhood, you know, and even within a state and a national and international level. So um, race is a fake division, right? It doesn't really exist. We are all the same. The only thing that differs between us is the color of our skin by science. And yet here we are living for 400 years. You know, white people are more powerful, have more resources, are better looking. Um, I learned this week that uh, when Kodak initially made the camera, um, it was balanced based on white models. So why do we struggle with cameras today, even (laughs) having exposure with darkness or black individuals? And it has to do with the way the camera was set up from the very beginning. So white is beauty, white is power, white is resources. Um, And it's not just anything else other than a false narrative. That's too many things. Now now that's fantastic. No, that's awesome. And before those who are listening, before you, you begin to think like, Oh, okay. This is a podcast that's going to tear white people down. This is a podcast. going to destroy that. No, 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 no. What we're actually saying is there is this social construct that is set up to divide people. Okay. I, I want you to hear that and gain that really quickly. There is a social construct that I believe you're going to even see throughout the Bible where people who don't look alike end up hating each other and want to separate from each other uh, and and attack each other. You see this set up and it's aimed to divide people. But we believe that God's perspective, that divine perspective here is he desires us to be united. So there's pain we're experiencing when we go against the, the, the design of God, the will of God. There's pain right. we, we, we experience right. in the church, yeah. right? Uh, absolutely. I mean, that's absolutely. And, and regarding any area of, of our lives where we disobey the commandments of God, there's, you know, we like to say God is judging me. But in some sense, there are natural consequences of wisdom uh, more than it is, you know, specifically God's judgment. And so we are divided. And there are conflicts that result between us because of our refusal to live in a way that demonstrates the reconciliation of God in our lives toward others. Yeah, what I want to do right before we move on a little bit and just hit a little bit more meat is I want to read for everyone Ephesians 2, 14 through 18. And and the reason I'm reading this and the framework of this is Paul is telling these two groups of people what Christ has done for them. There's this spiritual reconciliation that has taken place. He'll say verse 14 of chapter 2 in Ephesians, for he himself is our peace. The he himself is Christ. He himself is our peace, who made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with his commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. 
he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the father by one spirit. Okay. What I want to do is help you recognize the very first thing Paul is telling us is that there is spiritual reconciliation that's taking place because of the work of Christ. He has died, rose again so that we humans can be reconciled to God. But that's not it, right? There's this reconciliation or this work in the air, the spiritual realm, if you will, and this work on the ground, this reconciliation of the ground in our natural world. And so Jesus takes these two groups that were hostile, thus makes peace. And this is going to be key driving us forward. That means anything that sets out to divide us, we need to be cautious on. We need to ask questions. Is this a biblical way of dividing? Meaning, is this a, a, a legit reason that we shouldn't stay in unity? And here, Paul tells us both were reconciled. Now, the two new humanities, or excuse me, the two humanities into one humanity, we won't flesh that out theologically, but that does not mean there's an absence of ethnicity or culture, okay? What it means is it tears down what was separating them. Right. Okay. With that said, I just need to give that as the background, the framework of why we move forward. Mike, with that being stated, um, the church, why has the church struggled with this, right? If, if that's in our Bible, if that's the, the, the perspective God gives us, why have we struggled recognizing this in our culture? Yeah, you're, you're right. I, I think the church is at best unaware of these tensions. Um, you know, if we look back in history and see the results of redlining, we see segregated, um, you know, segregated neighborhoods, right? If we're not living around people who look different than us, you know, the realities of these racial tensions are not going to be brought up in our mind. Um, so again, we're ignorant. Sometimes it's just based on where we live, uh, where we work. Um, we're just unaware. Um, and then sometimes we're, we're willfully ignorant. So if we are mm. aware, we choose not to accept the stories of those who are different than us because they don't match the stories that we have experienced ourselves. So, you know, there's one part of just not experiencing it. That's fine. But then we choose to say like, no, what's, you know, true for you is not true because I have not experienced that. So again, sometimes it is just being unaware. And then sometimes it's being willfully ignorant. Um, and then at worst, you know, people in our church and our community are active participants. Um, you know, so that's kind of like where we are in that, in that process, you know, very few people are actively working against racism again, but over the last 12 months and again, COVID isn't a positive thing, but we have had much more attention when everyone is locked down, staying at home. It's like people are paying much more attention than they did before to these realities. So it's getting harder and harder to turn a blind eye. No, that's good, man. That's good. Listen, Mike. So with all that in mind, who benefits from this discussion? <laughs> I mean, I, I oh, yeah, ultimately everyone, right? Everyone is the one who benefits from this. Um, you know, like if you have an ability to live at peace with people as a result of um, of obeying what God wants, of of loving others and prioritizing others more than you prioritize yourself, like you know, that only results in a positive experience for everyone. Um, it, you know, but to to me again, where we're where we're struggling, where we're tripping, and where we're falling as a church is like every time we face 
a new uh, social context or challenge. Like there's so much angst. Mark Sayre says, you know, each of these these levels of new contexts are an opportunity for new engagement, but like we struggle over those things. Like you remember, like in the '80s and '90s, like when CCM music was a big thing. I don't know. You like gospel music? I don't know. In the black church, was gospel music ever bad? Was there ever like these culture wars over music? Because in the white church, man, it was just like you can't listen to that because there's a beat, or you can't hold a microphone. <laughs> All these ridiculous things that were just a, a matter of time and not biblical commands began to like trip people up. But these were new contexts. These were new social social situations. Um, so that's just a silly example, but those were real fights. <laughs> and people are even much more important than music. Um, and so these opportunities, it's it's an opportunity for us to, to flourish, to, to power with the Holy Spirit, uh, to see new movements, to see new leaders, to see new churches, and to be creative minorities. And again, like we talk about, sometimes raising these questions makes people think that we're rejecting the church and that we're rejecting God because we're saying there's struggles and tensions that we need to work through, but we can't fix problems and we can't work toward reconciliation unless we're honest with where we are. And Rochester's you know, favorite son, Frederick Douglass, has said, I love America more than any other country in this world. And for exactly that reason, I insist on the right to criticize her perpetually. And so I think mm. whether it's it's us as Americans or whether it's us as Christians, in order for us to be able to come out of this on the other side and to be better working with each other, we have to walk through the dirty, ugly, and messy. That's good, man. That's a, that's a, that, that's a good word. And and recognize that earlier we talked about Ephesians, and so you had the gospel being what reconciles. Mike, you're hitting on, you have to do the hard work of reconciliation. There's a purpose behind it. It's for our flourishing within what God is doing. That's why a part of this podcast, this series is called Divine Diversity. But I want to get a little bit into what do we mean when we say diversity? What's the divine perspective on that word? Because it has a lot of different meanings in our culture, right. and it can be a trigger for a number of people. So I want to make it clear when I say diversity, what I'm saying is it's not a cultural mantra, but a divine mandate. Okay, let, let, let me say that again. Good. It is not a cultural buzzword, a cultural mantra, something you shout out, shout out. It's not something you just hire folks into or you just try to pad your stats or numbers. This is actually a biblically designed system of God reconciling all people to himself. So all nations and people give him glory. We see this with Israel in the Old Testament, right? We see we see Israel, they're supposed to be light to all nations yeah. so that everyone worships God. Oh, right. 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 We see it with the early church. I read you a little bit of Ephesians. You're going to see this all over the church that it's, it's, the gospel goes to the Jew first, but then to the Gentile. And guess what? The Jews wrestle with Gentiles coming to faith this way. They struggle with accepting people who they would never be in proximity to. Being a part of the body now and, and being invited to dinner and worshiping together. Man, and eating bacon. Oh, God. And eating bacon. We could have a whole nother episode on eating bacon. Okay, let's schedule that for later. 
<laughs> that's what that's what we'll do. That'll be a part of this series here. But it's the reality, right? So many things change culturally for them, right? Because everything changed spiritually for them. Yeah, right. That's and we don't we, we just don't get that enough, right? Uh, and lastly, I think the, a beautiful example, and uh, many people have quoted this, but the picture that you see in heaven, uh, you get John's vision in Revelation. Where he talks about he sees uh, people who he can't count, languages, uh, all different kind of nations and nation, you know, nationalities. And so it's so diverse there. And I know some people want to split hairs between ethnicity and nationality and what that all looks like and means. Listen, when John was writing, what he's saying is, I see people who don't look like me, who don't speak the language I speak, and they're all worshiping the same God. So, Thomas, I'm going to ask you a question. I love that you're pointing out that diversity is a divine mandate. Throughout time, God has created a story in which people are to come together as a result of their connection with him. But is like is is the goal diversity for diversity's sake? You know, is the goal yeah. just that we're just like that we're, uh, I don't know, that we look like uh, cookies and cream ice cream? You know, is it that, you know, we look like Rocky Road where there's a little bit of color like in everything? Like what? What's the actual goal? Yeah, no, I think that's really good question because I would say the goal is not diversity for diversity's sake. I would say the goal is to worship God or what we call doxology. And Mike, you you, you brought up a, a tweet to me from Russ Whitfield where he says, in the church, diversity is not the goal. It's a means to the goal. Doxology. Slave plantations were diverse, he says. The mere presence of different colors doesn't equal doxology. God is glorified when power is shared, humility is embraced, and ethnic difference is celebrated in the name of Jesus. So the divine mandate then is to worship God. We best fulfill that when we're worshiping him with all manner of men. All people can bow before a holy God. Yeah, that's good. So, so again, in his point of the tweet, when I saw it last night, again, you know, I just spend so much time on Twitter learning. I never waste time on Twitter. It's always positive and productive. <laughs> always positive. I never tweet about the bills. You know, I never go crazy on referees. Uh, but I, you know, I just love when I saw that, you know, it just made me think that as someone who hires individuals and, and as I do that with an eye toward making sure that we represent uh, our community and that we exemplify diversity, it's not about just having uh, a 50, 50 split for our staff or saying like, okay, great. Um, you know, we need to hire four people. I need to have two black people. Uh, I need to have one Hispanic person. Um, and then I need to have one white person. Right. So the point is not just to be like, OK, like we're a collection of colors. This is where this gets tough because we have to wrestle in our own hearts. What's the goal of our faith? Is it to bring honor and glory to God? Is it to worship God? Because when when that becomes the goal for us, we're more likely to move in areas, move in spaces that while it may make us uncomfortable, it's going to bring optimal glory to God. We're willing to serve in ways, do things that always seek his honor and glory. And this is where divine diversity comes into play because it's, I want to do this, like you said, Mike, not to just fill a quota, but because as much as I can, I just, I want to worship God. I want people to come to know Jesus. With all that said, what's something I want people to keep in mind, right? We've, we've talked for 
20 minutes or so, what's something I want you to keep in mind? Yeah, for me, so much of what I, how I process the commands in the scriptures, you know, flow from Jesus' statement, you know, that our, our, our goal is to love God and love others. You know, rule number one, rule number two, and everything else that we do flow out of rule number one and rule number two. And so for me, it's to think through that God desires that we relate with others so that we can worship him Mm. and that we can't relate with others well or best without worshiping God. And we can't worship God without being in right relationships with others, that they are, they are intricately connected and probably the best way that we can live out love for others right now in a world that is divided is by bridging those racial gaps as individuals and pursuing racial justice within the systems that perpetuate injustice. Ooh, ooh. So we'll have to come back and flesh the how-to on a lot of that, but but let that start to stir uh, in your heart a bit about how we can we can start being places of healing our churches have the opportunity to minister to a vast need right now right just so fractured in so many ways and we don't want to miss this opportunity to once again glorify god yep all right listen with that being said i want to just remind you diversity not for the sake of diversity divine mandate. There's examples in scriptures, and it's all pointing to the glory of God. If you have questions, keep sending them in. We want to be able to work through them with you so we can equip you to understand the heart and purpose of God. Mike, appreciate you joining me for this one. You'll be back because we're doing more. We're coming at them again real soon. Great. Can't, Can't wait to be back to talk about this conversation that no one else wants to talk about. I love what you're doing and I love partnering with you in order to to push this ball further down the field to help more people learn how they can better have these interactions and love their community. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Divine Perspective. If something was said that caught your attention, that challenged you, or maybe even encouraged you today, we would love for you to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. Also, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can also follow me on Instagram or Twitter with the handle at Mr. T. Anderson Jr. There you will find more resources and content to help further our discussions. Once again, I'm your host, Thomas Anderson Jr., and I hope that today you can live with a bit more purpose because you've gained a divine perspective. We'll see you next time.